My intent this morning was to cover verses 15 through 24, but as I continue to study throughout the week, we, we will just look at verse 15 this morning. Jesus is here in the upper room hours before his death, ministering to the disciples in a way that um, is different than what you would find in any other part of Scripture. We're able to hear firsthand the way that king of this universe um, cared for his people in the final hours of his life. Wanting to minister to their troubled hearts. Wanting to encourage them in their security in him for all eternity. Their hearts are grieved. They are um, not understanding all of what he's saying. But they definitely understand that there's going to be major changes taking place. And they see within their Savior a certain amount of um, heaviness and anguish as he's preparing to go to the cross and they don't even know that it's around the corner. Um, But he's telling them, let not your hearts be troubled. And then in the midst of their troubled hearts, in the midst of them being with him for three years and spending time with him and going to wherever he goes and watching him do all kinds of miracles and watching everything that has taken place. Um, Certainly there would have been a great deal of love for their Savior that is within the hearts of those 11 that are in that room with Christ. Judas has already left. And Jesus says to them, In verse 15, if, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. That that verse, as I began to look at it, every word of it matters. The first word beginning, if. It's a big word for us, if. Either we love him or we don't. If. If you love me. I think they would all have said, we love you. But that love for him is not to be displayed by taking up arms or by going into a tailspin of depression if they wanted to display their love for him, Christ says, keep, keep my commandments. If you love me, if. I, I wonder what would happen if Christ pulled each one of us aside before we walked into the doors of this church and pulled us aside and just said, I just... Before you get in there, I want to ask you just one question. Do you love me? Do you love me? I think that most people coming into a church, most people probably in our country, would respond with, yeah, 
You know I love you. Yeah, of course. I'm, yeah. I love you. But would their lives match up with it? Would our lives match up with it? I pray that for us here this morning, um, that if question, if, that not one of us would have any ounce of peace until we could answer that question with, yes, absolutely, I love you. That we wouldn't find ourselves just secure because we do the things that we do and we're Americans and we're Christians and we go to church and we do these things but that we'd find ourselves this morning wanting to respond to if if you love me our response would be I do I do love you we we all grew up in different times. You look around the room and there's people of all different ages that are here. It's a blessing. It's a blessing to have a church that's filled with multi-generational families and individuals. Um, I, I grew up in a time, I grew up, I'm, I'm 40, 43 right now. So I grew up in a time where it's different than somebody that's here that's in their teens or in their 20s. It's also different than someone that's in their 70s or their 80s. Um, for me, growing up, I, I think of... Um, I think of the way our family was structured. We had one TV. Um, TV was something that we did together as a family, typically. Um, we, we would watch shows like... Little House on the Prairie, um, Happy Days, Mr. and Mrs. Cunningham, two separate beds there in their room. Scandalous. <laughs> they showed it. Um, we grew up at a time where my parents thought that it was a good cultural thing for us to watch Lawrence Welk every week. Some of you guys have no idea what we're talking about, but like, there are people here that have great pity on me this morning. We watched it every week, or it seemed like it. You need this. It's culture. You need to watch this. It's Lawrence Welk. I, I remember when the Barbara Mandrell show showed up and we started being able to watch that. I was like, yes, this is so good. It is so much better than Lawrence Welk. And yet, it still was just a struggle, but we did this. This is what we did together as a family. Um, we had time together playing games, playing Uno or playing Monopoly or playing whatever other games that we had. We went on family retreats together and we went to church together and we did things together as a family. But it was busy. Life was busy, but we still did things. Some of you grew up in a time in which you saw World War II. You saw major wars like Korean War or Vietnam. You saw things take place that just changed the way that you thought on a number of different things. Possibly you served in some of these wars. 
life was different. You saw things differently. You thought of things differently. But if you take the last 80 years, 90 years for our country, not many here that would be older than that, there has been just radical changes that have taken place in our society. Radical. If you take from when I was a kid to what it is to grow up now being a kid, there is just this radical change that's taken place as far as what life was like for me growing up versus an eight-year-old today, my little guy, Jonathan. What is it like to be an eight-year-old today? What's it like to be a tween between eight and 12? What is it like to be a teenager today between 13 and 19? What is it like today to be a young adult? What is it like to be someone in their 20s or 30s? What is it like today versus what was it like then? And I bring this up because I think that... Um, we as, as God's people need to answer this question in a way that is appropriate, biblically speaking. Do we love him? Not responding with, of course I love him. But have our lifestyle be such that Generations that have gone before us would just be abhorred at the things that we do, at the things that we, at the things that we say, at the things that we watch, at the things that we have as a part of our lives, the music in which we listen to, the culture in which we live in. We live in a time where those between the ages of eight and 19 they spend, a survey was done this year, the amount of time that they spend watching TV, videos, movies, playing video games, um, listening to music, checking social media, just entertainment, having, having this in their hands or an iPad or laptop or whatever it is, the survey that went across our country said that the average person between 8 and 19 spends over nine hours a day doing this. Over, that's over a full-time job doing this. Constantly on it. In this world in which Life is consumed with their image, stuff, entertainment. Um, I read of a girl that says that she will take over a hundred selfies of herself before she finds one that she's willing to post up on the Facebook. A hundred pictures of, like, oh no, I don't look right there, I don't look right there, I don't... Over and over again throughout the day, this is what she does. Her life is consumed with how many likes she gets on Facebook on her post. And she's just checking all day, checking all day, and just consumed, just consumed with just media 
Facebook, in this world in which everything is just driven towards this. You, you, conversations don't take place. It's just constantly you know, messages, hundreds of messages a day going from person to person, but very little sitting down and talking with people, very little spending time in God's word, very little, I mean, we're talking about Christians as well, very little time as far as just in prayer, in meditation, spending with God, thinking on the things of God, thinking of how we can obey him, how we can honor him, how we can live for him. We live in a time in which any one of us, whether we're a teenager or whether we're in in a place of retirement, we can spend countless hours just with sports center, with movies, with entertainment to where we don't even think about how much we are obeying the Lord and honoring him with our lives. We live in a, a time in which um, perverse, perverse things are just at our fingertips, in our hand. We can look at it at any time with no accountability. Pornography, for me, when I was a little kid, you had to like look like behind like the Seven Eleven stand to see like you know like what was back there and it was covered up and you know maybe there was a magazine that some kid found or whatever. Like, but besides that, like you just weren't going to ever see it. Today, just Everywhere, it's everywhere. Violence. In our day, we live in a time in which our youth will see over 16,000 simulated murders before they graduate high school. 16,000 simulated murders. Hundreds of thousands of acts of violence. Stuff that we never would have seen as far as like just horrific things that you see with beheadings and killings and these different things. It's just, it just comes up and you see it and it's there. It's just stuff that, that generations that have gone before us, nobody saw anything like that unless you happened to be there when this horrific thing took place. And now we live in a time in which it's just fed to us. It's fed to us constantly. Things that, you know, are just horrible to watch out. The media's movies are driven by just the extreme, like scaring people, horrible things to see. I mean, I remember like the worst thing that we ever could have seen when I was a kid was like the blob or something like that, where, you know, where this is like red ball, like eating stuff up, you know, that was like the worst thing that we ever saw. And yet today that's like Nickelodeon, you know, like it's, it's like nothing compared to like what takes place today. And so in light of our culture that we live in, um, how is it that we, that we as, the Christian, as Christians live? In Jeremiah, we've been spending some time looking at this on Thursday mornings with Pastor Don. And you see in the book of Jeremiah where God calls him and just says, I, I want you to um, be a prophet to the nations. Like, I want you to speak to the people. And he's saying, like, I can't. I'm just a kid. I'm youth. I, I can't do that. And, and, and God tells him, like, I'm going to tell you what to say. You go. You speak what I tell you to do. Don't be afraid of their faces. Um, I'm with you. I'll deliver you. I'll put the words in your mouth. I will do this. I will tell you what to say. And this is in the days of Jeremiah. 
You find him speaking to the people and, and, and God says, this is what I want you to tell him. And so you hear this message from God going to this particular group of people that had wandered so far from him. But he tells them things like, like I, I remember the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal when you went after me in the wilderness. I remember when we first got married. I remember how it was before. But he goes from there to speak to his people. And he says to them, like in Jeremiah chapter 2, where he tells them, what injustice have your fathers found in me that they've gone far from me, have followed idols and become idolaters? Well, what did they see in me that made it so they just wandered far from me? What made it so that, that you've gone to a place of just being far from me? I think that some of the people that are here that are in those years of retirement would look at the church today and see where it has gone from like where it was to how it's gone to where it is today. If you've been actively involved in church and just think like, my goodness, what has happened to the church? The, there's such little biblical knowledge that's there. You have major denominations like Presbyterian Church USA, Methodist Church, United Methodist Church, major parts of the Lutheran Church, major parts of the Anglican Church. I mean, huge denominations, sects within the Baptist Church that are ordaining homosexuals. Think that it's okay. I mean, that, that, that would have been something when I was a kid that denominations never would have done. And yet we see them have, we've gone to a place where um, they've gone far from him. God's people have gone far from him. Jeremiah says, as the Lord speaks through Jeremiah, has a nation changed its gods, which are not gods? But my people have changed their glory for what does not profit. Be astonished, O heavens, at this. Be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, says the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fount of living waters, and they've hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that could hold no water. Be horribly afraid at the condition of where we're at. And I think that that would apply to us today. Be horribly afraid, brothers and sisters. Because even within the church, people have exchanged the glory of Christ for things that don't profit. They have cisterns, broken cisterns that are just cracked all over and they don't hold water. And they're, they're trying to find satisfaction in their phone and their tablet and doing stuff and social media and entertainment and just feeding on entertainment, on taking in everything and relationships and what is it like and spending time video games, spending time just being entertained by whatever it is that the world has to just throw on us and we just take it in and we don't realize what's happening to us but the desensitizing of what it is that is in us to make it to where you come to a place where Jeremiah says later on, you don't even remember how to blush anymore. Like you don't even remember. You, you don't, you've forgotten how to blush. Like you see stuff 
and it comes into your life and you don't even know how to blush anymore. It doesn't even affect you. Things that would have made people just be like, I don't want to look at that to where it just becomes a normal part of life. You just do it. It's just information generation. You just take it in and take it in and take it in and nine hours a day plus just boom, 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 boom. Just can't do without it. Can't be away from it. Can't be away from just a life of being consumed with stuff and coveting and wanting more and having idols in our lives of this and that and the other and just being consumed with just materialism and lust and whatever it is, being consumed where God's saying, like, you have forgotten how to blush. We live in a time right now where In our country alone, there's approximately a million abortions a year. Just in the United States alone, a million abortions a year. That, that accounts for over 20% of all pregnancies. Over 20%. Two out of every 10 women that are pregnant are getting abortions. Over two. We, we live in a time in which... There is video recordings of people talking about selling baby parts. Like taking babies and harvesting their organs in different parts and selling them and making money and talking about it like, like you're selling chicken or something. And these are babies that are created in the image of God, over a million of them, and they're talking about how much money they are wanting to make from it and as if it's just just talk at the bar talk at the restaurant and even though there's 90 over 92 percent of those in the house and senate that say that they're christians over 92 percent they still can't defund the 528 million dollars that we give to planned parenthood there's a major warp in what people think it is to be a Christian. If 92% of those in the House and, 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 and in the Senate cannot say, this is morally unacceptable, we will not pay for this anymore. So what's taken place is there's just this, been those that would say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Or those that truly are Christian, but they've been so desensitized by what they've seen and what they do and the way that they think and relativism and the culture that we live in and in, in which they've become Largely to a point where they're indistinguishable from the rest of the, of the world. And so, Jesus is speaking to his disciples here. And he tells them, if you love me, keep my commandments. Keep them. If you love me, Keep my commandments. He doesn't say keep my commandments if you don't want to be punished or if you don't want to go to hell or if you, if, you, if you know what's best for you, keep my commandments. He doesn't say keep my commandments if you want to have less trials or keep my commandments if, if you want people to think really highly of you or he doesn't say if you really want good things in the afterlife, obey my commandments. He's saying if you love me, 
If you love me, keep my commandments. If, if that is where your heart is, if you love me, if you love me, be radically different than the world. If you love me, don't have the world set your standards as far as this is okay, it's not that bad, it's okay, this is, yeah, there's worse. If you love me, Jesus says, then have it be where this book is what it is that is just, you feast on, you love it, you want to know how can I please my Lord. It's like, it's like gold to you, it's like honey to your lips. It's something where you look upon God's word and what he says and you say, this is the infallible and errant word of God. It is the very words that God has spoken to us and I want to go through it and I want to know what it says and I want to know what it is to, to please him, to live for him, to honor my savior. I want to know what it is because I love him. I'm in love with him. And as a result of my love for him, I just want to know, like, God, how is it that I live for you? How is it that I honor you? I don't want it to be where my life looks like the world in which I'm consumed with just media, and I'm consumed with lust, and I'm consumed with images, and I'm consumed with all of these things of status and what people think and materialism. I don't want to be like that. I want to be in a place of spending time with you and and in prayer and in your word and I want to be making disciples and I want to be proclaiming the gospel and I want to be using the gifts that God's given me to stir up the body that is here. I want to be going and proclaiming the gospel to the lost that are around me. I want to have it be where I'm shining brightly. I want to use the gifts that you've given me and redeem the time that I have so that my life would just honor you, that you're glorified by it and I'm finding joy in it and I'm pointing my family to Christ and I'm pointing my neighbors towards Christ and I'm being in a place where my passion is to please him, to honor him. I I, want to make covenants with my eyes that I don't look upon things that would dishonor him. I want to just feed on the truths and the greatness of God. This is what I want for my life because God says it in his word and that's what it is to please him and I want to do that. It matters to me. That's the fuel. The love for him is the fuel of our obedience to Almighty God. And it's our love for him through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that fuels us to keep his commandments. I don't want to pass over that quickly. It is the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that changes our affections towards loving the things of the world, towards loving the things of God. This is not a message of like, you don't love him enough, therefore you're not obeying him enough. That This is a message of, if you're a believer, you will love him. You will. I think of, In scripture where John says in 1 John 2, now by this we we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps this word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we're in him. You know that you're a believer because you love him and you have a desire to keep his commandments. 
In 1 John 3, 24, he says, Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he's given us. They keep his commandments. In 1 John 5, 20, or 5, 2, it says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. There is a joy, a joy that comes in keeping his commandments. A joy that's there. A joy that is in us that, that takes us to a place of, I just want to please him. He created me. He loved me. When I was still a sinner, he loved me. When I, when I wasn't seeking after him, when I had no defections for the things of God, when, when I was a hater of God and going in a direction opposite of him, it was in times like that where he loved me. While I was still a sinner, he loved me. He died for me. He took my sin upon himself. He gives me his righteousness. And it's through faith in him that I can spend eternity with him. And it's not based on my works, but it's based upon what he has done for me. And it's that knowledge of it that just brings us to a place of, I just love him. I want to sing songs to him. I want to spend time in his word. I want to honor him with my life. I want to put on the full armor of God and, and fight against the wiles of the devil. I, I want to be in a place where, where I'm taking every thought captive. I want to be in a place where his law is in my heart and his commandments are there so I, we won't sin against him. And I just want to please him. I want to be in that place. And I'll tell you, every person in this room that is a believer, that is a mature believer, still struggles with sin. You're still going to fail in obeying his, his commandments. If you say that you don't, you're a liar, the truth is not in you. All of us will sin and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us will. But it doesn't change the fact that we don't find ourselves just satisfied being in that place. We love him. We want to obey his commandments. We want accountability. We want sin removed from our lives. We want to change. We want this to take place. That's a part of being a Christian. You hear God say in his word, if anyone doesn't love the Lord, let him be anathema. If anyone doesn't love him, we're, we're all to love him. It is a part of the fruit of the Spirit that when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and gives us a new heart, he changes our affections to where our affections go towards our Savior. And we battle between the flesh and the Spirit, and there's always this battle that takes place, but our affections have changed to where we want to honor him. We want to live for him. We want to obey his commandments. We love him. It's a part of being a Christian. With Jeremiah, going back there again, Jeremiah says, the Lord says through Jeremiah, can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. My people, I mean, they've forgotten me. If you ask my wife, what, what did you wear on your wedding day? She will tell you there was this pearl necklace that had a bunch of little pearls and these little lines, and there was this little thing in the middle that had 
some kind of diamonds in it. Or at least they looked like diamonds in it. I think they were. She knows what her hair looked like. She knows what her dress looked like. She knows what earrings she wore. She knows these things because a bride doesn't forget that. But God says, my, my bride, my people have forgotten me, the bridegroom. Days without number, I can't even number the days in which my bride has forgotten me. So we look at that as a church. And my first question to you would be, do you love him? Like, do you honestly love him? If you look at your life and you think very little about him, you're living in just constant heinous sin and there's very little if any conviction in your heart and you just continue on a route of disobeying God's commandments and there's no passion to flee that and to run towards Christ and obey him you have to ask yourself the question do I know him like you have to ask yourself that question I'll hear people say like I'm a Christian but they don't care at all about the things of God. They don't care at all about pleasing him. If you do not love him, I very much doubt that you know him. To know him is to love him. It's to love him. And to love him is to desire to obey his commandments. And they won't be burdensome to you. They will be a joy. It'll be a joy to desire to live for him, to please him, to shine brightly, to honor him, to glorify him with all that is within you. It will be a joy to give thanks. It'll be a joy to sing songs of praise to him. It'll be a joy to spend time in meditation and spend time in his word. It will be a joy. If you're a believer here this morning and you say, I do, I love him. I love him. Um, you may fall into that category of, I love him, but I think that in my mind, I came to a place of, um, well, yeah, I, I, love, I love God. But I think more so on the side of um, I'm, I'm saved by grace and I'm no longer under the law. He's, he's removed all my sins from me and I'm saved and I love that. But you take your salvation that comes as a result of faith in Christ, forgiveness of sins that comes from faith in Christ, no longer being under the law, 
to using it as a license to sin. And, and you may say, like, no, I love him. But when God says in Romans 6, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. He knows, the Holy Spirit knows, and inspired Paul to write this, that there's those that are going to say, like, I'm not under the law anymore, I'm under grace, therefore should I sin? Should I sin because I'm not under the law anymore? Christ fulfilled all of the law. When he came to earth, he fulfilled all righteousness, and I'm not under that anymore. I'm under grace, therefore, should I sin? And the response is, certainly not, No. So I take you from that point to Jesus saying, do you, or if you love me, if you, if you love me, the response isn't then, then just do what you want to do. He doesn't say, if, if you love me, then just smile a lot and just go to church when you can and and then just do what you want to do. Like, you're, you're cool. You're good. He doesn't say that. He says, if you love me, if you say that you love me, then keep my commandments. Obey them. Obey them. That, that, that should be something that Jesus is saying in the last hours of his life that just hit us hard. Where we look at our lives and say, okay, I love him. So the result of me loving him is he tells me, then keep my commandments. Have it be where you find joy in it. You hate sin. You love righteousness. You want to honor him. You want to live for him. You want to take your thoughts captive. You want to be in a place where you, you're not conformed to this world and acting like this world and living like this world. But you, you take a true evaluation of yourself this morning and say, like, God, I need to make major changes in my life. Because I love you. But the way that I have been living does not reflect the love that I have for you in the way that I should be living, it does not reflect that. And so I want to make major changes. I want to be in a place where I'm not consumed with nine hours of just worldliness coming into my mind. I'm not consumed with what I have compared to other people. I'm not consumed with, with coveting and and. and putting idols in my life that are above you. I want to be in a place where I'm consumed with how can I glorify you most, God? Pastor Don was sharing um, Thursday morning and we were talking about like what's the thing that um, most could be done as far as the changes of the culture. And I asked him, I mean, being a senior pastor for 40 years, like what major changes did you see? And some of the things that I, I... some of the major changes they saw was like what the church just did, like how much they drank, the kind of worldly stuff that they took into their lives, like how much they looked like the world and just had no problem with it. It was like the major change that he says he saw over 40 years of ministry. And talking about like, well, what do we as a church do? And, and his response was discipleship. Spend time with people. 
What's the answer to this? What's the answer to media? What's the answer to like our culture? It's spend time with people. Make disciples. You who have been Christians for a long time, make disciples of younger people. Show them the worth of Christ. Point them in a direction of treasuring him. Everything that takes place over there in our children's ministry, what takes place in our youth ministry, what takes place in our men's ministry, what takes place in our women's ministry, what takes place here on Sunday mornings is geared towards what does it say here in God's word? How does it enable us to know him better? And how does it affect us to love him more? And you'll hear the word treasuring him. How do we get the kids that are over there to treasure him? They got to know him. Conversation last night at our dinner table was, kids, why do you love Christ? Let's just go through. Why do you love Christ? I don't have anything to say right now. Tasha said, no, I'm just kidding. One of the little ones said, and, and it's totally kidding. But we, we went from there to like, you know, Jonathan rattles off a bunch. Like, oh, that's good. Okay, Natalie, do you have some now? And then she starts to talk. And we just go through, why do we treasure Christ? Why do we love him? Because bottom line is, I want us as adults, I want our kids, or the youth and the kids, I want us in a place where we treasure him, we see him, we know him through the pages of scripture, and the result is we love him and we honor him and we want to obey him. Because when you find yourself getting to know Christ and who he is and who you are and what it is that he has done for you and the extent of your sin, the result is you love the Savior. I would venture to say the majority of your kids, they know what it is that's wrong to do. They know it's wrong to be disobedient to parents. They know it's wrong to cuss. They know it's wrong to to look at bad things. They know that it's wrong to drink. They know drugs are wrong. They know these things are wrong. They know fornication is wrong. They know these things are wrong. They need to treasure Christ and see him as worthy of the entirety of our beings to where that stuff just becomes rubbish in comparison to the excellencies of Christ. We need to show people, disciple people, disciple the kids, disciple one another to know him. And the result will be, I love him. I love him. And I desire to keep his commandments. We live in a culture in which their view of God is so small, so small, they don't find him to be worthy of much of anything. May God help us to make disciples and show the worth of Christ, point people to who he is. And may the Holy Spirit work mightily in our lives as well as the lives of those that we're discipling to love him and to desire to obey his commandments. I pray that on this morning that if you're here and you're an unbeliever because you just know you don't love him, may today be the day of salvation for you. May you look, and even though you grew up in the Christian home or maybe you've been to church a lot, when you truly evaluate your life and say, like, I don't love him, may today be the day that you ask him to forgive you of your sins and see what that means to you, and may you fall in love with him this morning. 
If you're a believer here this morning and you've just been consumed with the stuff of this world, may today be the day that there's just genuine repentance that takes place. And you desire to have it be where if you love me, we go from this place to keep my commandments. That if, that if hits you hard this morning. And the response is, I want to keep his commandments. And may every one of us as believers leave this place saying, like, I want to disciple. I want to take this generation in which nine hours a day spent just on nothingness to, can we sit down? Can we talk? Can we, can we open up God's word? Can we spend time talking about the things of God? May we go and just preach the gospel and make disciples. Brothers and sisters, we don't need to go. You can. It would be amazing if you did. But we don't need to go to China to find unbelievers. We don't need to go to the Middle East to convert Muslims. We don't need to go to places all over the world to take people who don't know God, who don't know the gospel, who live in godless societies and say, like, here's the gospel. Brothers and sisters, they're our neighbors. They're around us everywhere. And maybe I need to make this clear. I, we have a passion for missions. May we go to the uttermost parts of this world. I pray that we would. I pray that we would send people to the uttermost parts of this world to proclaim the gospel. But it can happen daily in our lives. May we point people to the emptiness of these broken cisterns that hold no water to the fountain of living waters that makes it so that we never thirst again. What an incredible, incredible God that we serve who has revealed himself to us and who has given us the gospel to proclaim. So, in response to the question, if you love me, Jesus says to his disciples, the answer is keep my commandments. May that be just powerfully placed upon our hearts this morning by the Holy Spirit. And may we respond properly. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, um, we live in a culture that has gone so far from you. Um, in a church in which um, it is so easy for the things of the world just to immerse us. Help us to see ways in which we have fallen and return to the ways in which you have called us. I pray, Lord, that through the proclamation of your word and through the discipleship that takes place here at at our church, Lord, that you would powerfully work in our hearts to cause our eyes to be open to know you better. And that your Holy Spirit would so kindly work in our lives to show us who it is that you are and who it is that we are and what it is that you have done for us, that it makes us adore you, love you, find such joy in you. And may the fruit of that be obedience to your word, loving you with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our mind, with all of our strength, loving our neighbors as ourselves, loving the lost loving your people, causing just incredible fruit to come forward out of our lives 
as we abide in you and as your Holy Spirit just works mightily in us. May that take place. And I I pray, Lord, that um, that there wouldn't be one person that would have any rest, any peace here in this congregation until they can answer that question, do you love him? May the answer to that question be like, yes, absolutely. We love him. We adore him. We desire to live for him. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.